Hey guys, this is Phil the Phalogist. Uh, this is part two of our Ether Raids Guide uh, series. And if you haven't checked out part one, that deals mostly with offense, go ahead and check that out um, wherever you, you know, listen to your podcasts. And this is part two of our defensive analysis as well as the structure analysis. And uh, we're just going to pick up where we left off uh, uh, from the last episode. So please enjoy. Transitioning into a more of a strategy guide for for defense, I think we've covered almost everything about offense except for the buildings, which we will kind of talk about in the defensive section. So stay tuned for what buildings are good for your offensive spread. But the there is a building bonus as well uh, that you may have noticed in addition to the bonus characters that you get that are announced uh before you go into battle. So what are these build, building bonuses for? They, they don't give you extra Aether points like the bonus unit does, or lift, I should say, but they do give your fortress an extra level on top of what it already is already. So in the way that fortresses work, and I think it's important too, I think this is the second most important building be, besides the amphorae and fountain where for every level your fortress is above your enemies, you give plus four to every stat, um, attack, resistance, uh, uh, speed, and defense to your, uh, your offensive team. And it's, it's multiplied by two for each level um, that it is above. Uh, so, I mean, there, the math is there when you look at the description, but basically you give plus four to each stat when it's one level above, plus eight to each stat, when it's above two, and etc. And so, um, and it's important to know that the reverse is true. If the enemy's fortress is a level above yours, then you receive the minus four debuff, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And so it's it's really important to um, have that, uh, that fortress level increased above your enemies. And the way that you can do that to help that is to have the bonus structure. And so when when you are looking for things to build in the future, uh, that is one recommendation that, that we have that I, that I give to you is, for example, in this season, you need to have the Bolt Tower, which, I mean, we did receive for free. But for next season, the Tactics Room is going to be the bonus structure. And so it is not a bad idea to have that. So you may go into the battle, hopefully with an advantage. If, if not... If anything, that you're at the same level as your fortress, as your enemy's fortress, and there aren't any um, stat uh, stat line changes, and you don't enter with a, a big stat disadvantage, and so um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's one um, thing that I thought of here in the offensive guide is is to have make sure that your fortress is is uh, leveled up as as much as, as possible. So anything to add there, Greps? Uh, anything that I got wrong? Uh, no, I don't think you got anything wrong. I, I think uh, you're right that the fortresses are there's an offensive fortress and a defensive fortress. I don't remember if in the tutorial if we upgraded our fortress to level two, but I, I think that everybody has it at level two, if, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, mm -hmm. I don't remember upgrading it, so I, I think it was something that maybe we did in the tutorial. I, I honestly don't remember. Do you remember if that was something that we did? I think so, because I think we had to use Heavenly Dew for something. And I believe it was the fortress. And when I look at my fortress, I don't. I, I see it's at level two, but I don't remember upgrading it myself. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's what happened, is that we must have had to have done that in the tutorial, because I honestly don't remember at this point yeah. <laughs> from last week if that was what we had to do. But my offensive fortress and everybody's that I've seen is at uh, level two, um, and, that, and yet the defensive one is at level one. And so I think intelligent systems knows that, you know, they want these to be the structures that are most important too. And that's why it takes this do to enhance the fortresses. It takes the, the do to enhance the fortresses as well as the, uh, the Aether Amphorae. So those are the only structures in the game so far that require the do to upgrade them. So it's clear that this is like the most valuable structures in the game. The ones that are going to be harder to upgrade are those. And, you know, one thing that you'll have to think about is whether you want to prioritize upgrading your offensive fortress, your defensive fortress, most likely people are going to keep them around the same level because the amount of do that it costs to upgrade them goes up quite a bit each time you upgrade them, it seems like. So it would take a lot longer to keep upgrading the same one as opposed to up, like go back and forth between upgrading them. Um, so I think that's most people are going to go back and forth and keep their fortresses around the same level. But it is worth thinking about like which fortress is going to help you gain more points in the long run. Do you need like do you want to prioritize winning all of your offensive matches? Is that where you'd like those extra stat boosts? Uh, is it more important to stave off like defense, uh, like your your the like help your defense and stave off enemies that are attacking your defensive team is that going to help you gain more points in the long run uh, i'm not really sure at this point what the answer is and uh, there's also a sense like your offensive team you control that so maybe you feel like your your skill is high enough that you don't need the extra four points and you'll be okay like you want to build that bonus structure but maybe you don't need to upgrade the fortress a ton because your skill in controlling your team is going to help you whereas on defense like it's out of your control so maybe the ai would benefit more from the stat boosts i don't know those are just some of the thoughts in my mind to when considering which fortress to upgrade first or more um, those are just some of the thoughts that come to mind for me. Yeah, that is a really good question that you, you, you face is whether to build up your offensive or defensive. I think that for now, like it, it makes more sense to upgrade your offensive uh, one. So you do have that advantage to get more lift as you battle more and, and have that stat advantage. But like later on when you are going up against a, uh, here in a few weeks or so, if you are in the higher tiers and you are losing a lot of lift based on your defensive losses, then any advantage you can get, namely by increasing your fortress, uh, your defensive fortress level, could help you prevent uh, those losses and help you gain uh, lift in that regard. And so it's <clears throat> it's a it's definitely a, a big question, and I feel like everyone's kind of at the same level right now for for, for fortress levels, and so it's. It's okay to to hang on to a little bit of dew, and you know maybe use that dew to first of all focus on increasing your amphorae uh, amphorae level, and then you can think about saving it up for your fortress. But anyway, yeah, agreed. I, I think the amphorae is more important to, yeah. to upgrade before the next season starts because it's going to let you play more, and hopefully. 
hopefully your skills on offense are good enough at this point that you know having more chances to play is going to be more valuable to you than having more stats to help you win more hopefully that doesn't make that big of a difference to you and you can still win without the the stat boost but you know thinking about the stat boost that it gives you mentioned it's four points to all four stats that's like a a plus 10 merge versus a completely unmerged unit so it is definitely not uh, a small bonus to to be thinking about um, so yeah, definitely those are both fortresses and your Aether Amphrey are important to upgrade. And unfortunately those are the, the structures that you're most limited to upgrading at the moment. Right. <laughs> All right. So speaking of fortresses and <clears throat> we've kind of alluded to like them being used in offensive and defensive, I think this is a good time to actually talk about the rest of the buildings. Now, it's hard to kind of separate these buildings into one form or another because you can use them both in offensive and, and defense. Um, I, I feel like they play more of a part, more of a role in the defense. But, Greps, how about we kind of switch up the, the, the script here a little bit and, and kind of go through the, the buildings that we have. They, they do have very similar text, um, whether they're applied to the offense or defense. But um, let's go ahead and, and talk about these buildings, these new new features. Uh, I think probably the newest and uh, coolest feature of um, of Ether raids and to Heroes the game, and uh, just kind of go through them and and uh, and kind of give our opinions on what we think they are, how well they are used both in offense and defense. Does that sound okay? Sounds good to me. Cool. So we've talked about the fortress, and let's talk about the uh, bolt tower next. So, uh, both I th- I believe both offensively and so defensively, we already have a a bolt tower, and so to upgrade that to level two, you do need to spend five hundred um, ether dew or heavenly dew to uh, build that up. But on your offense, you have the option to build that for one hundred. Um, stones ether stones and the way that it works of course is on turn three uh, it deals out 15 true damage just straight up 15 damage as if it were coming from something like pain or savage blow uh, or an aoe special and that deals damage in within the three columns you know like a kind of like a scotty uh, sort of thing Uh, so just imagine um, takumi fallen takumi's scotty bow but in building form. Yeah, I so, think he's inside the bolt structure. That's what's going on yeah, there. That's what's going on. <laughs> so, and also, uh, you said it was uh, the Heavenly Dew, but it, it's actually the Aether Stones that it costs oh. to build and upgrade the bolt tower. So it's oh. the, the less premium resource, fortunately, for the bolt tower. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay, good to know. So um, just, yeah, stones are only needed to build or level this up. Uh, Greps, what are your thoughts on the bolt tower, both in the offense and the defense? Uh, well, so first off, a lot of the structures work slightly differently in offense than they do on defense because your offensive structures are limited to being at the bottom of the map. And but by the way, one thing that it took me a while to, to figure out is that you can actually go on all of the terrain at the bottom of your map if you want to or need to where your offensive structures can be built. That's like movable terrain for your units in the enemy. Oh, yeah. 
um, you know, if you're like retreating or turtling, like in the in the back of the map, you can go on those spaces. Uh, you obviously can't go where you have structures built, though. So I just wanted to point that out because uh, I along the way, and that might end up helping somebody out. But uh, the so yeah. different offensive, slightly different uses than defensive structures, uh, mostly in terms of the number of roast. Offensive structures work just in the column that they're in or in like the column that they're in plus one on each side all the way up and down the column. And most defensive structures work for a limited number of rows uh, centered on where the, the structure is built. So that's one thing just to, to make sure that you're paying close attention to where your structures work. And as far as offensive structures, like if you're building an offensive bolt tower, it's going to work, as you mentioned, in the row that it's built in, plus the two uh, rows on each side of it at the start of turn three. And it's essentially the same thing with the defensive uh, bolt tower, except I think it's uh, seven, it impacts seven rows. So the row that the structure is built in, plus three on, on top and three on bottom of it. So um and then, you know, this, this structure starts off doing 10 damage at the start of turn three, I think, and it goes up to 15 at level two, and I assume you can continue to level it up to a couple more levels. Don't know how high it goes, but in general, I think the bolt tower, so it's good for this season because it's going to give you uh, additional boost to your fortress level, which gives you additional stat boosts in this season, but I'm a little underwhelmed with this type of an effect uh, you know, first off, having it trigger isn't going to move the defense team, the enemy team or your team on defense. Uh, it's just going to do damage and it doesn't trigger your team or the defense's team to move. Um, so that's one thing to think about. But you might be able to use a bolt tower strategically placed on defense because or you know, sorry, I'm misspeaking. I'm thinking of traps and not the bolt tower. The bolt tower only impacts enemies. So in some cases, it might put the enemy range of some, uh, some like skills like desperation or vantage or something like that or brazen skill. So in some cases, it might work against you. Uh, it's not too hard to destroy it, but with a lot of structures you can place them somewhere where it's either going to waste the enemy's turn or if they take out that structure then it's going to place you in a good place to have like a lot of your units be able to target a unit that tries to target that structure if that makes sense so um in terms of the structure itself i don't think it's all that great um but yeah i, I guess those are my initial thoughts about the bolt tower and as you mentioned, we do get a copy of it for free on our defense team, and you have to purchase the one on offense. Um, but it's not a bad structure, but overall, I don't think it's great, and I don't think it's going to be able to KO foes on its own if it did enough damage to take them out. I think it would be like Savage Blow, where it's going to leave them with one HP, but I haven't seen that situation come up, so I don't know for sure that that's the case. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the regrets that I've had um, in spending my stones is uh, spending it on a bolt tower. I think that the, in addition to what you're saying as well, the turn three limitation, I feel doesn't, uh, it's not quick enough to kind of get the the benefit from the attack. And uh, I often just don't even realize Maybe it is making a difference on the offense, but um, it might not really be making much of a difference when I am trying to uh, 
trying to you know attack the enemy. I feel like it, it may come into play if you uh, are trying to like chip away at certain buildings before attacking a, a a base and the enemy team, then maybe the bolt tower can help with that and uh, and do a little bit of extra damage to help you out. But still, like like you're mentioning, a lot of good skills in the game require less HP, like desperation and brazen skills, and so. I don't know. It may uh, it's it's good now since it is a bonus structure, but since we have it for free, I recommend not really investing into it unless you do have uh, some uh, really cool strategy around it uh, for the offense. Yeah, and um, I would say don't regret building it if you've leveled it up. Then that might not have been worthwhile spending stones on yeah. that. But building <laughs> no. it is, I think, important for this season on offense to get that extra fortress bonus. And and I, I'm oh, just yeah. like projecting yeah. going forward. I think they're just going to go down the list of structures to make sure that we build all of them, which is kind of annoying if that's how they do things because we only get a limited amount of these aether stones. And if the bonus mm-hmm. structure changes every week and it's always something new for the first like five or six weeks then we're not going to have much creativity to build different structures we're basically basically going to have to build the ones that give us the bonus uh for each week and so that might limit us a little bit so a little bit disappointed about that but i i think we both are in agreement that the bolt tower in terms of its function on its own is kind of uh like lackluster and underwhelming right because you don't see a lot of people using fallen takumi on their teams you know so i feel like it's not it's kind of the same principle there it's not as helpful as it sounds uh but thank you for mentioning that too it's important to have the the structure the bonus structure both in offense and defense to get the bonuses in the defense and in the offense as well so good good point there let's talk about uh the next one that i have here is the healing tower so for it also costs 100 stones to build and what it does is it uh, every turn at the start of every every turn that you to those who own the building it heals 10 hp and the range of course depends on uh, on what phase you're using it in uh, if if it's offensive then it heals uh, i'm sorry maybe maybe it's defensive but it i have the three rows and five columns um, I, I think that's in the defense uh, compared to healing tower in the offense where it's just columns. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So on defense, it's five rows, five columns. And on offense, it's three rows, five columns. So it's slightly different uh, for your offensive one. It's it's you know, it's going to have to be built at the bottom of the screen. So it's only going to heal you if you're pretty close to the bottom of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that. That is something too, and and most teams, uh, in fact, all teams are going to be near the top of the top of the uh, uh, the map, you know. So you might not receive the healing that you need during the battle, because otherwise, I, I would think that the healing tower w- was actually pretty good in the offense. But uh, since it's kind of limited to where it can go, um, it just basically near the bottom of the screen, it's like you know at I'm going to be spending most of my time and getting the most damage a little bit higher in the screen because you can only place defensive teams in the first uh, two columns or two rows uh, on the top of the screen. And so uh, I don't I don't really see any benefit there. Uh, defensively, though, I think it the healing tower is a little bit better. I think that if you do, uh, I think that do, does give you a better advantage if you do take some damage and you don't have uh, players that are KO'd uh, completely, 
um, if 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 you offensively are trying to take out your defensive team in the player phase, then the healing tower can come into play. If you play it next to your defensive team, they could go in and maybe that extra 10 HP could uh, provide a little bit of help uh, when you do turn into the enemy phase. So I think, yeah, so I would place the defensive tower, uh, healing tower, above the offensive one for now. But in the scheme of things, again, uh, it's I don't think it's going to... It, it, I think it's very situational, and it's not uh, necessary to build right now unless it is a bonus structure. That's my thought on the healing tower. Uh, what do you have to add to that? I, I totally agree about the defensive one is way more valuable than the offensive one, I think. Uh, I think with all of these different structures, some really advanced strategy might be to think about how these different structures might interact with the specific units that you're using on defense or on offense. So for example, a bolt tower, if you're facing a bolt tower uh, that's on the enemy's defense team, you might be able to by by, by being in the range of the bolt tower. So that might be advanced strategy and you can't rely on it all the time, but season you maybe can because most people have the bolt tower built. So I'm not saying that's like optimal strategy, but uh, potentially you could use that like on a case-by-case basis. With the healing tower, on the other hand, that's a different set of units and skills that might benefit from that, more so than just regaining some HP. But let's think about some units that benefit from having full HP. So first, like two units that come to mind are Alm, with his refinement, might be able to activate his double lion effect uh, more than once on a map. If, If he uses it, survives the combat, and loses some HP from the double lion and then gets healed up again. And of course, Brave Celica with her double lion, um, another unit that benefits from having completely full HP. Uh, Regular Mage Celica, if she doesn't have her refinement, also benefits from having full HP to activate Ragnarok. Uh, Of course, attack speed push, if you have that skill on a unit. They might benefit from being near uh, Healing Tower as well. So those are just a couple of thoughts of units in particular. Oh, and one more, Ephraim. Ephraim with his refinement having over 90% HP. Oh, and how about just skills in general, like Quick Repost that benefit from having just about full HP. So I think, you know, those are some ways to to use a Healing Tower better than just like having it around oh, yeah. to give you HP if you happen to lose some. Uh, is to use one of those units with those specific skills. But I don't think that's going to be like the way that most people play this game mode. But I don't, that doesn't mean that you can't try to take advantage of these structures more so than just having them around in case you need a little bit of HP. Yeah. Good points there. So. Ooh, and how about Aversa and Loki oh. too? Sorry, two more <laughs> units that, that. Their, their PRF weapons give high HP. Panic Ploy, how could I not mention Panic Ploy for having full HP or most, most of your HP around? That's going to be really helpful for those types of skills too. And even boost skills, if anyone starts using those skills, then, right. <laughs> then those could be useful as well. So just a couple of things that could be very different if you're near a healing tower than if you don't have one at all. Yeah, the, now that you mention it, there are a lot of applications that you can have with the healing tower besides just healing HP. And so you got to think of the skills and the units that you use. And and that's what makes this game fun is, is you can use these structures to their advantage uh, based on your team build and, and everything. And uh, that makes it fun. So cool uh let's talk about next uh next week's bonus structure and the next building is the tactics room 
also costs 100 stone. And the way it works is if the HP of the foe is less than or equal to 40, then the ranged, and if they are a ranged unit, they essentially get the gravity uh, penalty uh, moved onto them where they can only move one space. Uh, so since it is a bonus structure, I do feel confident in saying that it's probably worth uh, using some stones on for next week's bonuses. And for its utility as well, uh, I can see where having it focused just on ranged units is helpful, where I feel like ranged units are really good to be able to not only destroy uh, buildings from afar, perhaps even your fountain or your amphorae, uh, or to clear a path um, a little bit better. Uh, so on future turns with your offense, you could um, move ahead and try to attack your your enemy in the player phase. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think that uh, like a lot of people may be using ranged units now to have a little bit of an advantage towards... Uh, getting the jump on your enemy in the player phase. And so I see where that where the tactics room could be useful. I, f I feel like, though, a lot of units usually start off with HPs that are above 40. And in addition to that, if you're using the tactics room uh, defensively, and if everyone's at the same level right now where they have their fortress being at level 2 on the offense, it's very... It's very unlikely. Well, actually, the that doesn't have any effect on HP, but still, a lot of units will have their HP above 40, and so I I can see where this would mesh really well with Bolt Tower if you were able to somehow pre uh, you know prevent any attacks until turn three if you get Bolt Tower going, and if you have them in range with your Tactics Tower as well, Tactics Room, then you can really prevent them from moving a lot and potentially just slow them down enough to win the match. But still, it's it's very niche, I think, having it focused only on ranged units. It'd be useful to have it uh, apply to every unit, though. Uh, I think that would make it very powerful, but unfortunately that is not the case. And uh, since it doesn't really come into play until the foe has, uh, whatever your foe is, has an HP of 40 or less... I feel like it's a win condition where if you do have them on the ropes or essentially if you have their HP lower than 40, by that point you might be using a different strategy anyway to be able to defeat the enemies um, before you know time is up. And so it's it's like, you know, uh, defensively I feel like it's it's not as useful. Potentially though in, in the offense when you do um, if you are able to like use AOE specials and and really take out uh, the whole team's uh, the whole enemy team's HP and make it below 40, and if you have them all in range with with the tactics room, then you could potentially like if, if they can't really move at all, you can move around them and get to their amphorae and their fountain, and then be able to pick them off uh, slowly as if they were attacked with gravity. And so I, I feel like there is a little bit more advantage here with the tactics room in the offense rather than the, than the defense. But still, since they are bonus structures, it's more likely useful to have both of them uh, built by the time next week comes around. But, um, but yeah, so that's, those are my quick uh, 
impressions and thoughts on the tactics room. Um, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, so I'm definitely higher on these skills than these uh, structures than you are, I would say. Um, so first off, I just did a quick analysis. There's 140 ranged units in the game, uh, healers, ma uh, mages, archers, dagger units, all those units. There's 140 of them. And the average HP for a ranged unit is 37. And there's only 19 units that have more than 40 HP that are ranged in the game. So that means almost it's like almost 90% of ranged units, just a little short of that. Uh, it's probably like 85% have uh, 40 HP or less uh, at base value. So that's okay. that's not including merges. That's not including any HP boosting skills. And it's not including bonus units. All of those things will make it so that more units will be able to avoid this type of a penalty. But I think this building is way more useful than the healing tower, uh, even with the potential uses that I mentioned before. I think those are inconsistent and a little bit tough to rely on, and they rely on a lot of things like positioning and, um, you know, in it's the healing tower is kind of limited in terms of its range. Uh, so I think those are a little bit less useful than the tactics room, in my my opinion. So I've had tactics room come in handy quite a bit on my offense team. I think. A common strategy, because you know that in a lot of cases, when a team faces your defense team, they're going to bait out your units, is that you want to tuck away ranged units, uh, like strong player phase ranged units. You want to tuck them away because you know they're going to be, in most cases, uh, initiating combat if you can set up a good defensive map. Uh, and you want to make it so that you have like more than one color uh, like ranged unit to be able to target a unit within a given space that like that the edge of the uh, the danger zone. So I think that's a common strategy that I've seen other people use, and I use a similar strategy for my defense team right now with ranged units. So I've had a couple times where the panic room on offense has limited one of those units on the enemy team. So now I don't have to worry about having a red, blue, and green ranged unit being able to target the same space at the edge of the enemy's danger zone. So that makes uh, units to be able to take the, the hit in my enemy phase and so that helps a lot for for at least a couple times that's helped me like take a nino out of uh out of being able to hit my unit or something like that to help me out so it's come in handy for me a couple times and i also like your strategy of being able to potentially access the enemy's um the aether pot so i think that makes that easier too sometimes and so that on offense i think those are some benefits to to building this structure on defense, you do have to worry a little bit more because the range is a little bit less, um, and it's more likely that the enemy can just take out your structure and it won't do anything. But I, th I find one of the most useful skills in the arena in Arena Assault is Panic Ploy because it's a skill that people just don't check for that much. And it's one of those skills that if it catches you off guard, you might, you're going to win and you end up losing. And it might impact people's strategies in this game mode similarly, that they might have a strategy set up where they're counting on their unit being able to move at full range, but they're not going to be able to do that with a certain strategy, and they don't realize it until it's too late. So I think this structure has um, that that hidden potential, that like kind of the trap potential where it might catch people on, on their offenses where it might lead them into a strategy that doesn't work out for them as well as they thought it was going to. So I like this, this building the most of the ones that we've talked about so far. 
Are you talking the tactics room or the panic manor? Ooh, yeah. You know what? I think I was talking about oh. the panic manor for most of that, <laughs> wasn't I? Uh, but the the tactics room and the panic mo- manor actually have some similarities there. Yeah. That the the tactics room prevents the movement. The panic manor pretend uh, debuffs in terms of panic poi. So I I I guess I would have similar thought about both of them in that both of them can cause like an enemy debuff that can disrupt the the either like the enemy's strategy and and personally i like both of those but the tactics room i find to be particularly useful to prevent the enemy's range um in like uh, on their on your offensive team their defensive team i think can be particularly useful Mm -hmm. uh, for being able to tank enemy hits but i think the panic manner has a lot of the same benefits too agreed i um and just as a a recap as well the panic manner uh, has the same HP requirement. If you have to have uh, forty or equal, equal to forty or less uh, HP, um, and uh, that converts all the bonuses to penalties. And so, like you're mentioning with like Nino, um, preventing blade tomes from from having those uh, those benefits or just any emblem buffs or or things like that too. Uh, the panic manner can definitely come into play, and I think that it is. A really good structure too because it's not necessarily limited to ranged units and uh, thank you for that calculation as well that uh, it seems like 40 HP is a pretty good uh, indicator for ranged units anyway since a lot of them do fall underneath that category or at least meet 40 HP and so uh, yeah so it's it's pretty cool uh, to have that calculation there Whereas Panic Manor does not have that um, indication. It could be used up against uh, pretty much any unit. But on the other hand, you do, like like I was mentioning before, have to get those really high HP units that are more like melee type units down to 40 or less HP. And so that may that may be tough to do. And, and to do, especially when they have those buffs applied to them, until they can get lower and then not receive those buffs it's it's another one of those win conditions i think and so um definitely i think more useful in the player in the offense more uh, rather than the defense there so yeah and i think your your point there about about needing to take down enemy hp i think that's more relevant for the panic towers especially at the starting yeah. values of hp where melee units tend to have higher hp so i think a, a panic manner is going to work much less often um but it works against all types of units, whereas the uh, the tactics room is only going to work against ranged units, but it's going to work a higher percentage of the time against them. So it's the same HP threshold. So the, the two structures, if they're at the same level, are going to work against the same units. But uh, just in terms of like the how often you can expect them to come through for you, the tactics room is more likely to be successful because of its limited range and who it can affect. So... Uh, I think yeah. I think both of those structures are really strong. I personally would prioritize building both of those structures. Um, and I'm just like, I think I've only built the defensive panic manner and not the offensive one. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess I would probably prioritize that <laughs> def- uh, the offensive tactics room over the offensive panic manner. Um, but I think you probably are going to get more out of upgrading the Panic Manor. If you can get it to a higher level, increasing the HP that it's going to impact is going to make the Panic Manor do a lot more than upgrading the Tactics Room just because of melee units average HP versus ranged units average HP. So Exactly. Yeah, once you do level it up, then 
it becomes a lot uh, easier to apply and, 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 and have affect your enemy team. So good point there. Yeah. And a three column, a three column debuff, uh, for panic poi is really strong. Yeah. So that could impact a lot of units. If you, if you play, as long as you're not placing a, a structure that works with a, a number of columns outside of its own column, don't put it on the edge of your right. offensive, <laughs> uh, you know, your offensive map, put it in one of the middle, uh, slots and then it's going to impact three columns and that's going to have a pretty big range it, it impacts half of the tiles on the map so yeah exactly so cool so i think that's a two for one there uh let's talk about uh the catapult next so it also costs a hundred and it uh basically destroys uh, a structure or structures in a column if its level is equal to or less than um uh, it, it will just if the catapult's level is is greater than or equal to wait am i saying this right let me see here so if the, the catapult uh, can be leveled up it starts at level one like all structures and it can be leveled up and as yeah. long as the enemy structure is in a higher level than it then it will destroy that structure oh okay yeah so completely opposite of what i was thinking of with uh with the hp requirement for tactics room panic manner it's actually uh, the other way around, where it destroys higher level uh, structures. So, I think no, no. I think the catapult destroys. Wait, is that true? Oh. Wait, 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 I need to take a look. So, if their level is less than or equal to this structure's level, so if the catapult is equal to or greater than the structure okay. in terms of level, yeah. So that I mean, that gives you incentive to continue leveling up the catapult. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Otherwise, a level one catapult would be better than any other level catapult. It's like, yeah. Why else would you upgrade it, right? <laughs> so okay, so that makes a lot more sense, and and so I I feel like the catapult um has some good things about it and some bad things as well. I think it's pretty good because it, it, it just destroys buildings, right? And so, of course, you do have the stipulation of it being, first of all, in the right column as a structure. If you are using it offensively, then hopefully uh, you go into the map and you have your catapult aligned where a building may be. And the same the same thing applies to the defense. Uh, where, But I feel like it's more useful in the offense so you could potentially destroy a building that was strategically strategically placed to prevent your uh, your offensive team from progressing to defeating the enemy team, um, and that's because uh, people will use buildings in that regard to not only get the benefit from what they provide as a building, but from their physical placement on the map as well, creating a chokehold. And so using that catapult is is so beneficial to be able to destroy those buildings. The only thing is if you are placing it in the right spot. And so there's a, an element of luck, I think, to be able to use the catapult correctly, both in the offense and defense. Otherwise, I think it's a really great structure, and I think it provides a lot of utility in, in, in just destruction and, and de de necessarily, you know, like um, defeating those, you know, taking down those walls and making the map a little bit clearer for you to, to move around in and strategize to be able to uh, accomplish your goal. So, so I'm a fan of the catapult. It's just I wish that, um, I don't know. It 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 it's really hard to to get it right with just one column of of its effectiveness. You know. Yeah, I I have to agree. I think the offensive catapult is better than the defensive catapult. 
your defensive catapult can be destroyed by other teams before it even does anything on turn one. You have to destroy it on turn one, yeah. otherwise it initiates. But I feel like on my offensive team, if I see a catapult, if I if I don't like as you said, a lot of the time they've just chosen the wrong column and it's not going to do anything at all. But even if they've chosen a column where I have a structure in, I can plan around that and I'm not counting on my structures to be able to win on my offensive team. So even if it takes out a structure, like I can prepare for that and overcome that. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, on the other hand, on your offensive team, the enemy has no way of defeating your catapult, so it's just going to destroy any structures in that column um, as long as it has a higher level than the enemy's structure that it's in the column as. So this is going to get like a little bit interesting as people level up their structures because you might have to level up your catapult to keep up with it or you'll have to decide if, if that's worthwhile. Ultimately, you know, I kind of agree that because it's luck-based, that it's just kind of taking a random stab in the dark at, at taking out an enemy structure, which tends to be more helpful on my offensive team than than my defensive team. But um, I, I don't think it's one of the structures as a result of that. Generally, I would place your catapult in one of the middle slots because, as I mentioned with the other structures, it's uh, they're going to have a better effect if you place them on one of the middle slots. So I would count on your foe being aware of that fact that they're going to place structures in their optimal places, which is in a middle slot. So place your catapult in not one of the outside slots as well. But I guess it could be like a whole game of uh, rock, paper, scissors. If, if you anticipate that the foe knows that, then they could place it on the outside. So they're not going to get it taken out by a catapult. And, uh, you know, it could go on from there. But ultimately, I think place it in one of the middle slots. Uh, don't count on your foe thinking that far ahead. Uh, so far, I think the tactics room is the best structure that we've covered than the panic manor and maybe the healing tower and catapults like around the same tier if we want to kind of come up with how strong they are. And the bolt tower might be at the bottom for me so far based on what we've talked about. Right. Agreed. <laughs> um, it's also worth noting that catapults do not destroy fortresses, traps, ornaments, or resources. And so you can't unfortunately use your catapult to like destroy their amphorae or fountain i, I feel like you should be able uh, the, to actually i think if it's this if it's higher yeah. than the level of an aether structure i think it should and i think that would actually make the catapult yeah. one of the better structures and i don't think that would be too exactly. overpowered to have that effect i think that would actually make it a lot more fun if it could destroy the aether structures yeah because you're still taking that shot in the dark like you're mentioning you don't know where they're going to put their fountains or anything so you might as well try and and hopefully get that right but um but as of now yeah it it won't it will only affect other buildings similar to the catapult or or the other rooms that we've uh, talked about and so that it is what it is right but um but yeah so the final uh building uh, before we talk about traps of course uh are the school buildings right and so you have one building school for each movement type for armor for flyer cavalry and infantry and basically oh and they cost 50 each and so they're a little bit cheaper than the other buildings to build but they uh, they apply a debuff of minus two to each stat um, if they are within target within the number of columns or rows um, and and if the opponent of the sim of the same movement type as well is within the that reach 
then it receives that minus two, uh, minus two cooldown, or sorry, not cooldown, but uh, uh, debuff. And as you level it up, then the greater the debuff is. So, um, speaking of shots in the dark, I think this is another um, shot, uh, another couple of shots in the dark as well. I think this is one of my regrets too. I, I built an armor uh, offensive uh, <laughs> um, school thinking that a lot of people would be building teams similar to that of the arena teams that we've seen. A lot of, you know, just tanky armor units. And while they may be out there and they may be useful, and maybe I'm wrong and it could be used on later on as we're still trying to figure out a good strategy and maybe people will lean one way or another for, for defensive teams, I feel like uh, it's, first of all, you have to get the, if you want to maximize its potential, then you're hopefully looking for and fighting against teams that have all four units or maybe three of the four units that are of that movement type. Uh, and then second, you have to place it correctly and, and you know, ascertain where they're, they're either your, your foe's team is uh, on the defense or if you're placing as as a defensive building where I guess you have a little bit more control where you lead your uh, maybe your uh, you know if you're the, if you're on the defense you build your map and you want the offensive team to kind of go somewhere where you want them want them to kind of essentially creating a chokehold uh, where you may be able to attack them uh, for their max your maximal uh, benefit then you could lure them and force them into that spot where you can apply those debuffs and potentially get the type of a fortress-like uh, advantage against them, um, in addition to perhaps having your fortress level being above theirs, and so you, you apply some more debuffs there. But um, but still, like so, so I think these buildings are better in the defensive mode, uh, and potentially, if we were to tease out which structures are better right now, I, I think that cavalry and flyer uh, schools are a little bit better right now than armor and infantry. But of course, you know, since everything is open to whatever character you want to use, then it really doesn't, uh, it, it really could be sixes either way. You know, you might be able to get those debuffs on one or two units that they might have. Um, and, you know, depending on the total amount of defensive uh, plays that you, you, you have, you know, you might be able to get a debuff here or there, depending on, you know, whatever unit they're using. I think it might be more helpful on the defense, though, because I think we can, well, I don't know, or maybe on the offense, too, because maybe going back to thinking, oh, wait, you know, everyone's using Veronica and everyone's using Reinhardt, so maybe a cavalry school is most useful right now, and you could your chances of having it actually work against a defensive team is greater because those people are tending to use those types of units, and so... So maybe these these buildings will have better potential later on if we do happen to have uh, certain units that are used more often as defensive teams or offensive teams even in this mode. But as of now, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of up in the air, and I think it's best to hold off on these these buildings, even though they are cheaper. Um, if you do have some stones to spare and you're looking for some heaven heaven uh, heavenly dew or something, then then maybe, but. Um, I think it's better to hold off until you're forced to get them as a bonus structure or if um, the meta, so to say, kind of settles and, you know, 
you potentially either have a counter uh, to some popular popular units or like a counter to a counter, you know. Uh, so that, that that's how I feel and that's how I stand with these buildings now. I wish I would have waited uh, before spending some due on this. I thought I thought it would be useful now, but it's not quite useful yet, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm insulted, first of all, that schools have the effect of reducing stats for people in this game. Come on, yeah. what is up with that? <laughs> Seriously, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> I thought we went to school for a good reason, right? But yeah, apparently you build schools to make people worse. I don't understand that. <laughs> I guess I guess IS views education as detrimental to people playing their games. So <laughs> they're they're sending that subliminal message to us saying, "Don't go to school, just play our games," you know? <laughs> yeah, but but I have to agree with you that I think that schools are the least valuable including compared to bolt towers at the moment. And that's probably why they cost the least amount of Aether Stones to build at the moment. Uh, I don't, I mean, it seems like it's intentional if they know, if it's costing the least, then I guess they intend them to be the least useful at the moment. But it also means that building one is because it costs less, you've given up less to build one. But first of all, you can only build one school at a time on offense or on defense. So it's not like you can cover your bases and build all four schools and know that your your opponents are all going to be impacted by this. But you're right that there's more than one stab in the dark here. There's more than one thing that you need to go right for you. The positioning and the enemy just having the unit to begin with. Uh, minus two to all four stats isn't really a strong as it sounds, I think, in most cases, like ultimately that's not going to turn the tide of most battles. Um, so personally, I, I think these are definitely the least useful. I like what you were saying about defensive schools. Um, I think also you can you can build your map in such a way, your defensive map in such a way that some units are disadvantaged going against your team to start with. Like if you have um, the, the what do they call the, the horse... Uh, like the trenches. If you have trenches, then you know that cavalry oh, yeah. units are all, either you can disadvantage them even more, uh, or you can focus on another type of unit. Um, there's like the desert map, which has the uh, the mountains in the middle of it. So those type of maps are, I think, really strongly beneficial to bring a flyer or the the lava map with lava pits. Uh, that those structures, the, the, those types of terrain can only be. Uh, come over them with flyers so if you use a flyer school over one of those like those areas where other units can't move over them then that might be helpful to try to cover up one of your weaknesses on that map but in general i wouldn't recommend building really any of the schools because of how much you need to go right for you to be able to take advantage of them i think you had a good point about maybe the offensive cavalry school could be pretty helpful but you know, Reinhardt and Brave Land and Veronica are all over the place. First off, I don't know for sure that one of these schools is going to help you survive an attack against these units, whereas not having it, it you wouldn't survive. And you just have to get the positioning right. And I just don't know that you can count on that for sure. So at the moment, I wouldn't recommend uh, building these as well. I'm, I'm in mm -hmm. agreement with you. And I'm kind of thinking that eventually we're going to have to build these structures as bonus structures in the future, but I would hold off to building them at least until that point or until, you know, if you just have like 50 stones and there's nothing else you're, you're interested in building, I guess you can check one of these out, but I wouldn't really recommend it. Exactly. So cool. So I think the only th other structure that we have to talk about are the traps. 
So um, there are two, di- ty- two types of traps that are available right now. And one, uh, one is the heavy trap and one is the bolt trap. And the f- to actually build them uh, is free. Like we can have uh, four traps and they're also um, those two uh, fake traps basically. They look like the real traps um, when you do play up against them in defense, but they can be, um, so, so they look like the real one. And hopefully you're trying to trick your opponent when you set up your map to uh, step on one and actually have it activate. But basically how they work, the heavy trap, uh, oh, first both traps actually, if you do land on them, um, even if the unit on the player phase of the uh, the, the raiding party gets a, a, an attack or it, like sets up for an attack and is either attacking at range or, or melee or whatever, um, it ends their turn right then without having to resolve that attack and so it it stops them in their tracks even from attacking or from using any assist skill or anything like that and it also has that bonus effect and with heavy trap of course um, it limits it's a gravity type of effect where it limits the movement to one um, of that unit plus the units within two spaces with an hp above 41 and so it's important to note that it's like the opposite of panic room or Panic Manor and Tactic uh, Room. It's the same sort of philosophy. It's and, people lower than uh, 41 HP. So 40 HP oh. or less at level 1. Yeah, same type of thing. Which, so that way, as you upgrade it, you get to oh, yeah. increase the <laughs> HP of your heavy trap uh, and make it affect more and more units. Okay. I, I, put, <laughs> I put in the uh, the um, that sign, uh, you know, the greater than or less than sign backwards So, <laughs> so in, the, in the script. So that's why I, I got that mixed up. So yeah, so same same school. Oh no, that's totally my fault. I think I put that oh, in there. Sorry oh. if I put that in the wrong way. Darn it! No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but like I, I I have the game open right now and and uh, I can see it that it is. I trapped you right there. <laughs> oh, I fell for your trap. <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, that's why now you're stuck. You know, and and the cool thing is, you know, we we can see each other's ranks in Ether raids uh, on your friend list, and and so that is why Grips, you are ranked so highly i think you're ranked number one or two on my friend list so kudos to you (laughs) um (laughs) but then then there's the bolt trap where it gives you 10 damage uh to the unit plus foes within three spaces now uh, i'm going to confirm this too here it actually says units within three spaces because i've noticed that it works against the your defensive team as well so if you as a defensive player place the bolt trap within three spaces of your own units and someone lands on it, that's going to uh, do 10 damage to your own units as well as the foes. And so you do have to keep that in mind. But um, regard- yeah, And that's for both traps also. If, if, the, oh, yeah. if, if your units are within range of the heavy trap, it's going to impact them as well. So, um, so before I was talking about potentially using the bolt tower to gain an advantage and you can do this with a bolt trap you can have your own units that have skills that want to have lower hp within range of a bolt trap so if the enemy activates it then they're going to be put within range of their skill so i think that's like the the really smart way to use one of these bolt traps if you can but it's not necessarily easy to plan out how that might work out perfectly yeah exactly and and the thing with these traps too like while the unit that steps on the trap, you know, it ends their turn immediately, you can still, hopefully, if you're on the offense, 
use your other units to like reposition them out and and save them from a bad situation of course um you need to like if it's a heavy trap for example uh if you have you have to be close to that unit and hopefully they're not affected by the the heavy trap and so they can't get to that unit and i think that's kind of one of the purposes of the heavy trap is to isolate some unit that unfortunately stepped on it uh so they can be preyed upon by the defensive team but um but yeah so my my thoughts of traps in general i think they're very fun and and i'm glad that we've gotten to use them for free they do of course cost uh uh, what do they cost? Do uh, or no? They cost stones to upgrade, and so, yeah, a hundred stones to get from level one to two. Yeah, um, but they're a lot of fun to use. I, I, I often I have to remember when I'm on the offense that they are not buildings, so you can you can walk across them and land on a tile that does not have a trap on it and still be okay. It's not like they they you know you walk through a trap door and you fall through it. It's like you have to land on the trap in order to activate it. And so I often forget that they can be uh, uh, walked over or trans, uh, tr- they're transmissible, you know, transmissible. And so um, and so uh, keep that in mind. You don't need to, like, bait them out or, or like, stop on them. You can go over them, which may uh, lead you to a better advantage over the defensive team since those traps didn't work. Uh, of course, uh, one strategy that you could use is to step on them and safely uh, reposition your units out before uh, something, you know, before they uh, can't move and get preyed upon by the defensive team. But otherwise, um, lots of fun. They do add a little bit of a different element to the game as well. Uh, in addition to just creating buildings and using the terrain, and so I, I'm a fan of these these traps, and and they really do help you uh, make a help to create a chokehold, and 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 make uh, a little bit more. Uh, it makes the strategy a little bit more intense, I think, when you are building your map. So yeah. Do you have anything else to add about traps? I think the traps are one of the most fun parts of this game mode in, in terms of like the structures anyway, like the, one of the most fun additions to gameplay itself. Uh, it's definitely fun knowing that some are real and some are fake. I'm really happy that intelligence systems came up with something like that. If they just had real traps, then it wouldn't mean nearly as much as having some of these fake traps too. It's fun knowing that you have like a 50-50 chance <laughs> right. of uh, having your attack go through. But I would say people probably haven't been too good about placing their traps when I face them on, on like my offense on their defense team. And a lot of the time, it's not too hard to figure out which is the real trap and which isn't. But even when, like one trap is like clearly down the main path and the other one is like off to the side somewhere that is not as important that if you run into that trap that it uh, I'd say in general it's not too hard to predict which one is real and which one is fake in most cases and then to defuse traps by stepping on them and get your your allies like move like getting a unit out of the way there is a big strategy that can be used so the heavy trap that can be placed in that I think has more freedom to be placed closer to where the AI starts uh, or where I guess where the player starts, it's okay to place that a little bit further down on the map to impact more foes. But I would say the heavy trap, you mentioned how you want to use it to like ensnare a foe and not have them be able to get out of the range of your foe, of your team. So if you place the heavy trap 
too close to where the foes start and too far away from your team, it's not really going to do anything at all. So that one really has to be placed uh, more strategically than the bolt trap, I think. Otherwise, it's just not doing anything. It's restricting their turn for one turn and then they go back to normal. So uh, that one takes a little bit more care in how you place it. Yep. So um, lots of fun to use. Uh, As far as like upgrading them, um, I think they are useful as they are now. And so I I think you should hold off on your stones and use them to build up the buildings that you need for bonuses each week rather than uh, upgrading these for now. And once you have a little bit more resources to play with, then maybe you can think about upgrading them to doing uh, a little bit more damage or, or whatnot. So. And hopefully we get some more traps introduced into the game. You can only place four real and fake traps combined on your map, but it would be fun if we mm-hmm. got other varieties of traps. I think that would continue to to make the uh, this strategic element of the game more fun. Exactly. And speak like I would like to see one that just ends the enemy's turn if they step on it. That way you can't reposition your unit out of the way. Actually, I feel like that's what the heavy trap maybe should have done. Yeah. Because if you step on it, it just ends your turn immediately. Yeah. And I think that would have been a lot more powerful. Like I I could see it like where each level like you end the person's turn who landed on that trap plus another random foe's enemy as well. Like so I I think there is an item in Arena Assault where it kind of just... I think it's the elixir or something or something that um, heals, you know, like two or three random random uh, allies. And so if it, if it like randomly like chose a certain unit that hasn't moved yet on the foes team to just stop them in their tracks, then yeah, that, <laughs> um, you know, you're rolling the dice on, on which uh, units you might stop. So um, yeah, the, the, I think that's the Naga. Naga's tier is the one that, chooses to that's it gives them additional stats and it increases their specials i think that's the one you're thinking yeah exactly and so we do have a mechanic where it is like a random effect whether it's a a, you know a bonus or a penalty like that and so i think it could be utilized here um but speaking of new structures as well uh first of all here in a couple days on the 18th or 19th uh, depending on where you live uh, we will be getting Ether Raids quests with the opportunity to learn to earn uh, limited time structures, as you mentioned before in this episode, Greps. And you have here in the in the notes here uh, um, an obstruct obelisk. Is that was that something that was gleaned from the data data mine, or is that just like it? Oh. No, not at all. That was just some fun wordplay with a potential structure that I thought could be built oh. in the game. I was trying to think of what types of structures do you think we could see introduced either on the 18th mm-hmm. or 19th, depending on uh, if you're in Pacific time or to the west. I assume it's going to be the 18th. And if you're uh, to the east of Pacific time uh, in the world, then you should be getting this on the 19th thanks to daylight saving time, getting to screw up everything in terms of yep. the calendar. Um <laughs> But so I was trying to think of what types of skills do you think we might see on structures? We have a panic manner that kind of mirrors panic ploy. We have a tactics room that mirrors like uh, Loki's Thok staff as a, as a uh, building. We have the bolt tower, which is kind of like Scotty. We have a healing tower, which is like renewal. The effects that these types of structures have, most of them aren't completely new to 
these structures, but we have them as some other form as skills. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see new structures introduced, and, and some of them are going to have skills that we already are quite familiar with in the game. So I was thinking one possibility is an obelisk that uh, prevents, it's an obstruction obelisk, so it prevents you from going around it. You have to destroy it before you can move around it. So I thought that's maybe one skill that we already have in the game that could be kind of interesting uh, maybe even something, you know, it, I think the skills that could be interesting in this game mode are the ones that we've already talked about as being skills that are more useful on your units in this game mode than in other game modes. So, uh, maybe we would see like a guidance post or something like that, oh, that yeah. is a structure that allows you to warp around it as opposed to just a unit. Um, so I think that would be a pretty cool structure to have built or maybe, you know, I talked about armored boots before, maybe a structure that allows uh, units to move one space further if they're within a, like a certain range of that structure. So uh, just trying to think of different skills that we already have in the game that would make interesting structures. So may, maybe even, you know, I mentioned close and distant guard before, maybe that would make a pretty interesting structure effect as well so i think those are some of the most interesting skills in my opinion that could be structures in the game but i'm sure there are others and i, I don't know i'm not sure what what else could be done or where they're going to go with it and maybe they'll come up with structures that have completely unique effects that we haven't seen in the game so far so we'll have to see about that but any any structures that you can think of with skills that you might like to see in addition to those ideas <laughs> um Two came to mind. Uh, one was like something opposite of the school. So I don't know what would be opposite of a school. Maybe like a prison. And like you, the prison would give you... But they should have named them opposite because of their effects. I know. But like, <laughs> like something like that gives your own units a, a stat boost basically besides the fortress. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. But maybe since we have the fortress, that may not be correct. But it'd be really funny if they did call it a prison of some sort. But um, yeah, the prison gives you bonus points, <laughs> yeah. and the school takes them away. That makes a lot of sense. It makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> but I'm also thinking of different types of traps too. So like, I could see one being like lunge, where you step on the trap and you move forward one space, um, and that ends your turn. Or even like smite and moves you f uh, two t two spaces, potentially closer to the uh, enemy team. And, uh, yeah, so that way you're way out of range from re reposition or you do have to go uh, way out of your way and you might uh, lose a unit very easily with that that trap. And so I, I could see that. Be yeah, I like that one. I think that's more valuable than the two traps we have. Currently. Oh, yeah, that would be devastating because, um, yeah, you're just uh, feeding your unit to uh, uh, a whole slew of, of defensive enemies. And so uh, something like that, like I, I think – if we took a moment and, and thought about some of the skills that we have in the game or even weapons, since a lot of these are based off of weapons too, uh, we could come up with a few predictions there. So that would be fun to do. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there are any like recent um, weapons that I can think of that might have like a similar type of an effect, but maybe like, so you just mentioned the idea of stat boosts, but you could also imagine like in combat boosts, if you're near a structure while you're like, if you're adjacent to a structure yeah. when you're attacking, uh, so like a bond type of effect, if you're next to a structure, that would be kind of interesting. 
Um, or, you know, recently we've gotten uh, some different skills like Camilla's Tome and uh, Azura, the, the new version of Adrift Azura, where they have debuffs, like in-combat debuffs. So maybe something like that if you're next to a mm-hmm. structure. I think they really have a lot of possibilities in terms of building structures with skills that we already have in the game and with things that are completely new. So I hope that they, they continue to introduce interesting structures and, and don't limit their like their structures to really boring effects. Like some of the structures we already have are kind of boring effects. So hopefully that's just because they're saving better things for later and not that the, that most structures are going to be kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so hopefully, yeah, they do come up with some really cool buildings and, uh, and I think in, in pardon the pun, but I think the sky's the limit. I think they've, they've got a lot of potential to, uh, uh, to create some really cool buildings here. And I'm really excited to see that maybe they will come out monthly um, just like uh, weapon refines and, and, and whatnot and with each update. so uh, I would be so much more interested in quests for like two structures every month than two accessories every oh, month. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> Come yeah. on, give me something that I can use to actually influence oh. like strategy in the game and not to make my hero look like another one that's already in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if they created a mode that is above Abyssal for structures? That would... That would that would be crazy, you know. <laughs> um, Do you mean like that we would be playing against AI teams? Yeah. And... So like like legendary battles, you have you know the abyssal modes, of course, and for GHBs. And um, what if they took it one step further? I don't know. Oh yeah, you know something they have to do. Something I, I imagine they will almost certainly do. It, I hope they do this at some point. Is have developers. Uh, aether aether raids maps that we have to face off against in like special maps yeah so that because let's face it the developers are way better at creating good maps that have like choke points or that have all the units converging on the same space than we are seriously and i think they would be so much better at creating these maps than we are i think that's why some some of these maps are really easy because people just aren't good at making their own customizable map at this point which i guess is fortunate for us on our offense teams right uh, but but i think there's going to be a point that people will get better at that but i think facing off against developers maps could be a lot of fun in this game mode it would yeah that <laughs> uh, hopefully we do see some of those too because uh yeah you're totally right they are they should be better at this than we are since they've developed these maps since day one so <laughs> Yeah, and and you think about how they design maps to be like perfect for all the units to converge on the same space oh, yeah. on Grand Hero Battle. So they could definitely yeah. take a good approach. Yeah, and that's design a map like that. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't talked about defense much yet, but I think, you know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit now. But I think really that's like the best approach in my opinion to take on this is to try to think like one of the game developers and try to have all of your units converge on the same space so that there's like a red, blue and green unit all targeting the same space with like the same range. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to think like a developer is, is kind of the way to go, I think in terms of your defense map, but um, you know, I, I don't know. Have you had other strategies or is that what you try to do also on your defense map overall as a strategy? Yeah, I, I kind of do like I, I feel like my strategy right now is to create um, unpredictability, uh, and how I'm doing that right now is using like flyers with uh, flyer uh, guidance and uh, and just guidance and, and uh, flyer formation and things like that to be able to 
uh, potentially uh, get places where I may not predict where they might be. Um, but the and may, maybe the defensive team may not either. And so, yeah. In addition to that, too, like I, I feel like my 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 uh, strategy for the defense is to is to create a chokehold and using the knowledge that we have of like the fortress not being able to uh, be destroyed, uh, using buildings in in certain spots as well, and laying traps down. Hopefully, uh, making it so that you want the enemy to think that a certain trap is real, but it's actually fake. And so if they, like, I, I was just looking at my map map now, and, like, I, I have a trap, a fake trap that's, like, right in the middle and surrounded by two real traps. And so they might think, oh, the first two might be real. They land on that fake trap, but then they have no way to, no other way to get the unit out of range from my team because they are, they have fallen in that, that fake trap and are surrounded by real ones. And so, you know, so we'll see how that works out. But, um, but yeah, somehow creating a, you know, very similar to how the developers create their map by having one spot, maybe two spots where, uh, you know, the enemy has to go there for enemy phase, uh, play, uh, is, is one way to go or to make the map so convoluted and and time you know painstakingly long that they have to like destroy buildings and reposition out and and you know continue on their way towards your enemy team so that maybe maybe three turns maybe uh, even four turns kind of go by where they haven't really uh, accomplished anything player phase wise uh, and so maybe that gives you a time bonus to be able to defeat your enemy units there so. So there, there are plenty of like general uh, strategies I think for defense that you can go with, uh, whether it's to create a chokehold um, and and force your units to go into a certain spot on the map, whether it's a whether and whether that's just like in general spacing or whether that's they have to bait out a certain single unit that you think is just really good. And we'll talk about that too in a little bit, like which specific units might be very useful as a defensive uh, option, or or just creating a map that is like using the terrain and using your buildings in such a manner that they have to like destroy them all and use up a lot of time to do so in order to get to your team, and hopefully you have like enough time to uh, to to battle them out and prevent them from winning. So, um, but yeah, so I'm and I and I'm going for more of a. Uh, kind of a mix between a chokehold with the map, you know, forcing them into a certain spot and having to engage with certain units uh, to hopefully get some benefit from there and and, and destroy the, those units. And, and I feel like I've been able to get at least one kill um, with my team. Uh, I've had, like, I think two successes where, where they might have given up uh, after a couple of, of KOs. Of course, now with the bug fix, we hopefully can watch our replays to their... Uh, full potential, but but I, I I feel like with my flyers I've been able to do that and uh, and be successful there. So um, 
What about you, Grips? Uh, what's your general strategy going in, into defense? So I think it's using some of the same things that you were just talking about, but, you know, trying to, first off, I agree, using your fortress wisely is really important. It's the only structure that can't be destroyed at all. So you got to think about how you can use that to funnel your opponents into a place that's going to make make it a little bit more predictable for you. So uh, the fact that your fortress can't be destroyed can be a positive or a negative because it means uh, might not be able, like it, it's kind of limited in where it can move in some time in like wherever you place it. So that could end up hindering you depending on where you place it. Um, you know, you have to use your traps and place those judiciously, I think, um, make it difficult, as you were saying, to figure out which ones are real and which ones are fake um, by having more than one place that like hopefully three, at least three of your traps should be on pretty important spaces. Uh, that way it makes it pretty difficult to tell which one is real. Uh, placing your heavy trap in a place that if a foe lands on it, that they're going to to almost certainly get targeted and defeated as opposed to being able to get repositioned out to safety where it's completely meaningless. Um, and I use pretty heavily uh, offensive player phase units because I just assume that most people are going to be baiting out my units. Um, so I'm using three ranged units and a dancer. So my defense team right now is Halloween Jacob, uh, Lewin, uh, Reinhardt. So I have two colored mages and an archer. And then um, flying Olivia, the Ulysian Traveler's Olivia, to give stat boosts as a good support unit. And also with Guidance, prize the foe sometimes as well. So that's my team trying to learn a thing or two from you know the developers and try to make all my units have a similar um, offensive range. But it is tricky to do. And... You know, so far, I'm kind of where you are in terms of my defense results, where I've gotten a couple of successes, uh, I think three successes total, and mostly failures, mostly defeating one or two foes, a couple of times where I've defeated three foes, and a couple of times where I haven't defeated anybody at all. So, And I've changed up my, my defense map quite a few times based on what I've seen in replays and based on strategies I've seen other people take when I visit their maps. So uh, I definitely recommend that people try to learn from their replays and try to learn from things that work well against you when you're playing. So those are some suggestions that I would give people. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and to specifically talk about my team as well, uh, I've been toying around with... Uh, uh, like my flyers include Cordelia with a fire sweep lance and gale force and and I've put heavy blade on her and and she's done some work like um, they can go ahead and kill off some of my other units and I'm using Shershe right now with her axe uh, to hopefully get some uh, some kills there I'm, I'm debating on switching her out with someone else I'm not sure who yet but um, I also have Jafar um, on my team to be and I upgraded his weapon to deathly dagger and giving him wind sweep just because I, I like him as a character, you know. Uh, I wanted him to, to be a good unit, and so I, I don't feel bad doing that because he's not like the best unit out there, but uh, I, I feel like he is pretty good. Oh, and I'm using also uh, um, Flying Olivia as well. Uh, hopefully, Jafar like gets in some, some chip damage and does some, some. He has Savage Blow as well, and he gets some damage there. Maybe Olivia will fly in and, and help him do some extra damage as well. And then Cordelia comes in and, and like, has hit and run, and she will often get danced and, uh, and get the bonus from, from Olivia as well. 
and activate gale force and she goes on and and usually kills like two or two or three units even sometimes and so it's it's really cool to see <laughs> some of these replays and and so it, yeah it's been a lot of fun to to strategize there and i think in general like i think if you're looking for specific units to put on your defensive team uh having at least one dancer if not even more dancers could be potentially useful i would say a max of two i think you do need some good firepower in there as well uh fire sweep weapons have been really helpful for me as well um ranged units that are you know like using reinhardt using brave lynn brave veronica of course are very uh very effective because they can cover a lot of ground uh, as cavalry units and they are ranged as well and so there's little places to hide you know uh, if you are on the offensive as well using a uh, razzle dazzle type of healing effect i've seen some builds where they exclusively just use healers and if you use like pain and uh, and bring their hp down maybe if you even use a bolt tower to your advantage and if you do have like close counter advantage on these units or or even advantage in dc on some of uh, some of your other units that are melee then um of course you know then if they're really strong then they can't be defeated because you've you've used pain you've used bolt tower you've maybe used scotty from fallen takumi to uh to bring their hp down to vantage range um, and of course you can always use your strongest units and hopefully you get some bonuses from your your fortress to make them even stronger so they're just even you know they're really hard to take out uh, from the get-go anyway um, but it's really fun to be creative in this mode and and de developing your own defensive team um, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there greps by using a more player phase oriented team because in one way or another, it's probably the easiest thing to bait out some of these units uh, rather than going in and trying to get a player phase KO uh, because that's why you're setting up your map. You're setting it up so you can bait out units, basically. I think that's I think that's a big key unless you want to try another type of strategy like we mentioned before. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I have thought about as far as units and types of classes are concerned. There are endless possibilities, and you make what works best with um, whatever terrain you're using and what kind of buildings you want and which units that you have that you want to use in the game. Like, if you really like a, a certain unit like Jafar, then build a team around him and see if there is a way to make him powerful, you know? Um, and that applies to other units as well. So, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and what about your Aether structures? Do you have any any uh like strategy around where you place those are you trying to hide them to make it the foe take longer to get to them are you putting them behind your units to make it really hard to destroy them are you placing are you being really generous and placing them right out front because they don't impact uh anything related to you and right and you could just give other people more stamina and be nice <laughs> to them or or are you placing them like baiting them out in a trap to if they destroy them that they'll be in range of your foes see and there, and there is a point to doing that as well i think if you were to use it as a a trap type of thing to kind of bait them into a certain spot um, rather than baiting on a location where one of your defensive teammates could go and, and try to KO an opponent then um, I would I would go for just one of the two um, ether structures to do that with otherwise yeah I am keeping them kind of out of the way um, I have one that is kind of closer to 
to the choke point where I'm at. It's used a little bit more um, uh, as a strategic point to not allow units past that point. Um, kind of protecting, protecting my Cordelia as well from any attack. And so, uh, but it's, it's, it's a little bit farther back and hopefully it's, it's, you know, it's preventing, it's not being targeted or, or destroyed by some of my units. So hopefully the way that I've set it up is, is, uh, you know, that they've, uh, they're going for my teammates rather than my ether points. Uh, so, and I think that's, I think that's a good strategy overall is to try to use, as many other buildings as possible to create a chokehold and to create the uh, the map that you want. Besides using, uh, rather than using the aether structures, so that way you save them and potentially um, help yourself out by preventing foes from uh, preventing other people from getting more aether than you, and you having the opportunity to uh, get more lift. And so, is that what you're doing as well? Uh, so I'm pl I place mine on like the two upper corners of the map basically. I mean I have one one space away from that at the top, but I've personally found that it's hardest for me to destroy them when they're in the opposite corners because that means, you know, the the foe and the way the the enemy on defense in most cases kind of occupies somewhere in the middle of the map, and they are targeting one of your units, and it's hard to kind of to draw the defense away from your units to the edge of the map a lot of the time to get around them to get to both of the structures so i am not being generous in terms of where i place mine i'm trying to make it difficult to target both so maybe that's why a lot of the time people that i face uh on my defense teams aren't going for the structures because it's tough to get to them but i've still been surprised that sometimes when people could probably not to difficultly get to my ether structures and destroy them that they still ignore them and just go for targeting my units so that's that's how I use right. them, and I think you know it's it's tempting sometimes. I've done this, and I might still kind of be doing this in some ways, like using uh, structures that can be destroyed as like walls. But you have to remember they can be destroyed, and it's it doesn't take that long to destroy multiple structures. It's just one unit's turn, and you have like twenty eight movements, um, seven turns times four units, twenty eight movements on the entire map. So using a turn or two to destroy mm -hmm. a structure, especially if it's strategic. And if it helps you down the road, isn't that much. So uh, these aren't like impenetrable walls and they don't have more than one uh, like HP, so to speak, like more than one. It, does, it only takes one turn to defeat all these structures other than the fortress. So mm -hmm. they aren't as impenetrable as they look when you place them. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, like speaking of walls, uh, I think it's really cool that we have the option to choose which type of terrain we get. And, uh, and speaking of which, like it, it depending on the terrain you have like forests or mountains or walls or lava pits like we've mentioned before um since we have these options available is there is there a terrain that like sticks out to you as as being better than the other or is it too soon to tell or um i'll i'll, I'll tell you i'm using the uh um the snowing one with the forests right now because i i uh i liked how the forests were placed and it, it it, it just helped me kind of create uh, a chokehold um, in my mind a little bit easier. But, um, of course, I haven't used all of the terrains, and so I, I there could be one that's better than the other, than this one that I'm using right now. But 
But uh, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on on the terrains at all? So, so I'm using the same one right now, the wintry one with forests, and there's two with snow. The other one with snow is the one with defensive terrain and trenches. Oh, right. I started off using the one with defensive terrain and trenches, um, but I think the trenches where they're placed is a little bit awkward, and it makes it difficult to kind of like funnel somebody into a space. And I've all, I also found when I was using that map that sometimes my foes were using the defensive terrain. You know, like in a player's control, they're going to be able to use defensive terrain much better than the AI is in most cases. So I, I found that I wasn't able to set my units up in a good place to be able to take advantage of having defensive terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be more possible. I think there's a desert map. Uh, the Lost Castle one with defensive terrain. I think that one might be a little bit easier to use the defensive terrain more effectively. On, but let's see. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the abandoned castle, the one with crumbling walls. I've seen that one used pretty well at times. And I think we all know how how annoying crumbling walls can be and how unpredictable it can be to have an AI behind crumbling walls because you don't know when exactly they're going to target those walls and when they're going to go straight through them. And it can sometimes be hard to account for those right. crumbling walls, I find. Um and then I've seen the desert one. I've seen some people post pictures of pretty good setups with that one, the mountains being pretty useful, but I think flyers can get over that pretty easily. So that would tend to be the counter to the desert map, I think. Uh, the spring breeze one is another one that I've seen a lot of people use uh, with those like set in walls that even flyers can't go around or above or anything. So or they can go around them, but not above them. Mm-hmm. So that's a tricky one. And then the lava flows, I think that's one that I've seen that it just has spaces that you can't go on except for flyers because of the lava. So I don't think there's one clear choice, which I think is a really good thing. I think it's good that you can only place your units in the top spaces of the map, which means you can't uh, completely optimize your defensive setup to take advantage of the defensive um, terrain that you put your map on or your units on. And uh, I'm happy that there's no clear favorite right now. And I hope that it doesn't get to the point where everybody uses the same map and the same setup and it's basically impossible to beat. Yeah. And uh, maybe in the future we'll see more terrain and, and more uh, setups of of uh, what you can do. And uh, I'm glad that they kind of set those terrain, like the walls and the trenches as fixed options rather than being able to move those around. Because I think um, it would be a little bit, overpowered to be able to manipulate those and 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 create a a a different kind of you know a setup where it's just impossible for you to go uh and 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 stuff and so so yeah so i'm 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 in agreement i feel like there's not necessarily one um terrain better than the other right now it really depends on how you pick your team uh how you you could basically just choose a terrain and then build a team and a and assemble your structures around it to make it very successful so and like you said that's what makes it fun so yeah and you might want to take a screenshot of what you do if you end up changing it um i if i've changed my map if i've had a good one that i kind of liked but i wanted to try something different then i've taken a screenshot of it uh just to make sure i can remember what i did before there's so many elements that you place so um if there's something you want to go back to just make sure that you're you're uh, remembering what it is that you did before in case you liked a certain setup. Um, two other things that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up this episode. One is this is really hidden and some people might not know about it, but you can actually test out your defense. Um, you can you can use your units to yeah. see how well you can do against your own 
uh, defensive setup, which I think is a fantastic addition to this game mode. And in order to do that, you want to go into edit your Aether Keep and then press help and extras. And one of the options is test. Then you get the option of selecting one of your uh, four or five units, I guess, <laughs> how many ever you have unlocked at the time to go against your defensive team. And this is awesome to be able to see if you can create a team that can beat your own defense team. Can you create a defense so strong that even you can't beat it? Um, so I think that is really cool that we're able to do that. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think we and we've talked about this before, where it'd be really cool to see replays. Oh, um, well, you know, replays first of all um, uh, of of your matches, so you can kind of analyze how you. Uh, how you built your structure, or like your your uh, arena team, right? We thought, oh, if we could see defensive replays, then we could build our defensive team better. But then I feel like with this mode, they they did that, you know, added the replays, but then they took it a step further, where you could test out your own team. And it's 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 crazy to think like it's like oh I'm I created this in a certain spot a certain way, so I could uh you know defeat these characters, but now I have to like figure out how to beat my own self you know it's it's like really forcing you to come up with a strategy strategy against your own strategy you know you're just counting yourself until you come up with the perfect creation and of course people come in with different units that you you might have and so they might have different ways of of approaching your defensive team and that's where the replays come in handy but but still um use that and utilize that to the best of your ability and, and like, you know, don't be ashamed if even if you can defeat, defeat your own bonus, uh, your own defensive map easily with your own team. Uh, just find out where you um, messed up and find out your weaknesses and just fix them. And hopefully you can create a defensive map that can get you some kills. And, and of course, like we mentioned before, I, I feel like the goal of the defensive map in the future is going to be limiting... Um, the enemy from destroying your ether structures, but also being able to uh, defeat at least one or two. I think two would be great, but at least one is fine too. Um, enemy unit, preventing them from getting a perfect score, and potentially hindering them from surpassing you as you try to get a perfect score, and and with lift and being able to rank up higher than them. And so don't feel bad if if your defensive map, even when you play up against it too, uh, if the best it can do is to defeat one unit. I feel like, you know, everyone has really good strategies and really good units as well. And it's almost impossible, I think, especially in the future, when so many people will have optimized their strategy for defensive maps <coughs> to be able to... Uh, you know, prevent a perfect score. And so maybe um, maybe that's when, you know, one loss is expected almost. And and uh, it's just a, a really good freebie if you are able to get a full run and a deathless run there, you know. And so um, so don't feel bad about it now, especially. I, th I think if you can, I think you can count it as a victory if you can defeat the enemy team or, or if, if they defeat you, but they've lost one or two units along the way, I think that's still a victory in any case. And just keep on looking for that perfect setup and 
and that sweet spot until you have a really successful uh, defensive map. So, yeah, and I think that's um, yet to be seen exactly. You know, it depends on what intelligent systems declares to be success and. You know, if you're losing points, only defeating one or two units still, if you're losing lift on your defense map, then maybe mm -hmm. that's not very good. <laughs> but I, I, it kind of depends on how they define how many points you gain slash lose based on how you do in your defense setup. So I am hoping that, you know, to me, it seems like one, if you defeat one foe with your defense team, that it should still, you should lose just a little bit of points. If you defeat two, to me, I feel like that should be gaining a little bit of points, if not right. neutral at the worst. But two seems like a pretty good accomplishment in most cases. And three should definitely be gaining points, in my opinion. But I guess mm -hmm. as long as the same system is used for everybody, then it's still fair. As long as you know everybody's subject to the same constraints, then it's kind of equal for everyone. So, But in terms of like defining success, to me, it seems like if you defeat two foes, that should definitely be a, a pretty good uh, outcome, even though they, they say failure next to the outcome. It seems like a pretty good outcome, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and when I lose so, two units on offense, I feel pretty bad. So even th even if I win. I know. <laughs> it's like, ah. It's not crap. fair to, to fail whether I lose two units or kill two units, depending on which, uh, if I'm on offense or defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so in addition to that, like, you know, kind of scoring things differently based on your defensive map, is, are there, any, is there anything else that you wish they, IS would add? I mean, this mode is... Is definitely awesome. I think we're in agreement that we love this this new mode. Is there anything else that you think would improve on this game mode? Um, yeah. So in terms of this game mode, I don't understand why we can't challenge our friends right now. If we have the ability to rematch people that have played us, and we can view how well our friends are doing, both of which are really cool features. It seems logical that it mm -hmm. would be added an ability to challenge our friends to view their defensive setups. Uh, first off, to maybe get some tips. Like you can visit, can go visit Phil and see what he's doing on his defense map, and see if maybe he's doing something that I didn't consider, uh, or using units in a in a way that I hadn't considered. So I think that would be really cool to challenge our friends and anything that we can add to give more interaction with our friends. I think is good. And then another thing, whether this mm -hmm. is with our friends or just with random people or both, I think it would be fun to be able to play practice match using any Aether, Stamina. Uh, they're not going to give you rewards. They're not going to give you lift. They're just completely separate as a way to practice this game mode to get a better sense. You know, we can practice with our own map, but it would be fun to practice with other people's maps uh, as much as we want. Because this is a really fun game mode, it would be fun to be able to improve our own strategy by playing it a little bit more. So uh, do you, what mm -hmm. do you think about those two suggestions? And is there anything that you would add to those two things? I think that those would be awesome. I think, I think that's one thing that a lot of people are saying is like, yeah, I love this game, but this mode, but I think if we could play against our friends, that's what would be the icing on the cake. And I think in addition to that, being able to play this, the, you know, these modes without any penalty or benefit even, well, the penalty being like, if you lose, you don't get lift, but like just playing random matches and playing against your friends, if they were just for fun, uh, just to test it out, then that would be amazing, I think. Um, in addition to that, I uh, I can't think of anything right now. I think, you know, once they've uh, fixed the bug and um, uh, for replays, then that would be great. And I think if they could extend that to other modes as well, 
being able to uh, you know look at replays with arena, uh, just general arena, and seeing how well your defensive team did where did there. Um, I, I think they can basically apply some of the the uh, features that they've made apparent with this mode to the other game modes in the game right now to make them a little bit more fun. More replays of, of Arena and Arena Assault would be great. I think, uh, yeah, and, and just uh, I, I really like the tier system as well. Um, having everyone, you know, start at the bottom every week and, you know, move their way up. It makes, uh, it makes every match a little bit more uh, intense rather than with Arena. You know, you, you can just start over really quick and, and try to get the um, uh, the top score, you know, especially if you have a lot of dual crests anyway. It's like it's, it's of no consequence if you lose in Arena. You can always start over and just try to get, you know, it might be annoying to get back to five, you know, consecutive wins, but... Uh, which I guess is better than seven consecutive wins like it used to be. But um, but with Ether Raids, I feel like every battle really counts if you're really looking to get a lot of rewards. And I feel like and I feel like the the emphasis placed on holy or not holy grails, <laughs> uh, heroic grails uh, is really uh, apparent in, in in this mode. And so it's it, I, I feel the pressure to to do well on every Ether Raids battle. And so I like that. And if they could continue to apply that to other modes in the game, I think that would make it more fun. Maybe, maybe um, more frustrating at times because uh, I might lose and um, make a mistake here and there. But so I, I do see, I do see the benefit of having modes that are a little bit more forgiving to the general player. But uh, I really, I'm really liking the competitive nature and the the uh, the intense feeling that you get when you play ether raids and if we can continue to get that i think that would make it fun too so yeah agreed it's the only game mode that you go into and you're like if i don't do well in this match you know that's going to impact me next week too like it's my my lift isn't going to be as high i'm not going to be as ranked up as fast and all of that so and because you can't yeah. play as much you can't just you know every other game mode you can just play pretty much as much as you want without consequence so it is nice to have a, a game mode where it's the opposite of that um, yeah, so I, I totally agree with that. I, I'm a little surprised that we don't have any rewards in this game mode that impact, you know, aside from the grails, which they announced at the same time as this new game mode, I'm surprised we don't get orbs or feathers or anything outside of this game mode to connect it to the yeah. whole rest of the game. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess you'll be able to get some limited time units, but, um, I don't know. I'd like to be able to get some orbs or something else from this game mode too, but that's maybe asking a little bit. I have a few other suggestions. You mentioned being able to bring over replays to the arena. A few other things that I've thought of. I, I really like that we can lock our defense team in Ether Raids. It's nice that you can go ahead, lock your team, and then change their skills to something else that's more optimal in other game modes, or you can use them in other game modes like Tempest Trials at the same time as you, you have an uh, mm -hmm. Aether Raids defense mm -hmm. team, and your, your score isn't going to suffer for that on your defense team, for example. So I like that. Uh, I hope that they carry that over to the arena as well. Um, I like that we're able to set up our own defensive map. That is one of those fun things about Aether Raids, that if... If they just randomly set the the map or the um, the placement of our units like they do in the arena, then this mode wouldn't be nearly as fun. So it would be kind of fun if we had some way to customize our defensive setup on arena maps as well, even though I don't expect that because I think that's just going to be something unique about Ether Raids. 
Um, and then it's cool that we get different mm-hmm. offensive music when we're playing other teams in this game mode. So, you know, in the arena, we just listen to the same music on the same map every time. And a lot of the maps have the same music. So um, it can be fun to spice things up and get uh, randomized music when I happen to have the sound on when I'm playing the game. So that can be a fun change as well. So I, those are a few yeah. <laughs> wishes that I have for the future. I'm a little concerned about IS actually implementing those things, though, because you know, it seems like if they were going to implement these changes, I would have guessed that they would have done it in the arena first before introducing a new game mode with these changes. Mm-hmm. So it would have been easier, in my opinion, for them to implement it in an existing game mode, see if people like it, see if it's worth adding to a new game mode, and then adding it to a new game mode. But hopefully I'm mistaken in that. Hopefully they do add some of these things in the near future. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And and. You know, we'll see what happens with uh, version 3.0 if they do revamp a lot of things like that. Maybe maybe this is their kind of reverse thinking of let's introduce a new game mode with these features and then implement them into older modes or something. But but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so this has been a uh, quite an extensive episode. Uh, I think there's a lo- definitely a lot to talk about here. And um, let's just uh, wrap up by summarizing our main takeaways uh, if you've stuck around with this this long, then maybe this will come in handy as a, a refresher of what we've talked about uh, to help you out as you explore Etherates even further. So what I've got written down here are some, some major tips. First of all, with uh, upgrading buildings and such, go and upgrade your Amphorae first. Get that to as high of a level as possible so that way you have more Ether to start off the week with. And um, and that way you can gain more lift, essentially, and, and get more rewards. Next, um, I think the next building currently right now to upgrade would be the Fortress. So you can, uh, you can um, with your Heavenly Dew, so you can get a, that stat boost uh, as you battle and have an advantage either in the, uh, the defense or the offense. And... Of course, uh, saving stones to build the bonus structure as well. Since we do have the the feature where we do know which buildings are coming up next, then it's helpful to know which buildings you should save up for to be able to help out your fortress level and avoid potentially uh, having a, a pretty nasty debuff given to you as you approach these maps. Um, the next point is to always, of course, use a bonus unit in addition to a bonus structure, when you battle, it's it's it kind of makes sense. It's common sense, but do use them and make sure that you change out your bonus unit every week according to the bonus uh, units that are in each week. They they are every week they are changed apparently, and it's not every two weeks like arena. So make sure you do that so you don't end up battling without a bonus unit and losing out some points there. Then we'll have to see about that. We'll have to see how long yeah. bonus units go for because they tend to try to prioritize people pulling for new units and they have new units on these. So it might not necessarily, they might last more than one week. We'll just have to see. That's true. Yeah. We don't know. So, um, <clears throat> so hold on on that, but, but still, you know, make sure that your teams are up to date and current with the bonus units. Next, uh, you do need to know that the enemy will not move at first. You know, they they won't move on their own accord. They have to either be attacked 
by one of your units or be in range during your enemy phase. And so either create enemy phase type of units on your defensive team to take advantage of that fact or be prepared with units that could uh, be enemy phase on your own offensive team to be able to take on a player, fa um, player phase type of units on the defensive team. Um, hopefully that makes sense, uh, but basically uh, be prepared to either bait out or attack and reposition away, uh, if you may. <clears throat> Use defense replays, um, and uh, of course to get to that, go all the way to the end when you are editing your keep and go to test uh, test you know your map or you know test your defenses to to continually improve and tweak your defensive map to where you want it to be and of course use the units that you wish to use on your defensive team but make sure that uh, um, uh, hopefully you are using units that will maximize your potential to get at least one or two KOs um, and if you are able to do that uh, against yourself and you can't find any other way, then you might be on the right track to be able to have a, a good enough defensive team to hopefully uh, help you rank up a little bit more. And, but yeah, um, I think those are the main takeaways for myself. Greps, um, any final words of wisdom and tips before we sign off for this episode? I don't think so. I think this has been, a, I think, our longest episode yet. I think if you have listened to this full thing all the way through continuously, you could have maybe, if you're really fast, you could have almost run a marathon in this time. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe done a lot yeah, of other fast... really great things. So uh, you could have probably played through all of the Tempest Trials. Um, a lot of other really <laughs> fun things. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed these tips and hopefully it's helpful for building your team and doing well on offense and defense. And, um, you know, you mentioned the sky is the limit, but it seems like we even go past the sky in this game mode oh. and go into space. <laughs> so uh, you might, yes. might need like an oxygen tank for uh, if you're doing really well in this game mode. Uh, one thing that I noticed <laughs> uh, that I wanted to point out before we go is if you go to the current standing part in this game mode, to look at the rankings that there's like you can see i think it's your aether keep and then there's like all these little stars below it mm -hmm. and yeah. if you like put your finger over there and scroll up and down that you can scroll up and down the rankings a little bit on whatever screen that you're on so oh. i think that's supposed to represent something because you can't do that at, well you can yeah, you can't do it at the top of the screen, or, or it doesn't make a difference if you scroll if it doesn't cross over where your aether keep yeah. is. So I don't know if that's supposed to be like exactly what that's supposed to be, but it looks like it's supposed to represent how well everybody's doing on the page that you're looking at in terms of their lift score. So I thought that was just an interesting little addition that I stumbled upon kind of by accident. So yeah. I don't know if other people have found that already or if uh, <laughs> there are probably some PSAs on Reddit about it. Uh, <laughs> you know. But anyway, just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that until now too. So that's pretty cool. And I can't wait to see uh, you know all those little dots uh, shooting to the stars and, and, and getting into the highest tiers of this mode. And so... Time will tell. And melting into the sun. Melting into the sun, exactly. <laughs> yep, uh, like Icarus, right? And so I, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot to talk about, and we'll update you guys even further uh, if things change. And, and as this progresses and kind of settles a little bit more, 
I'm sure there will be an updated episode and podcast a little bit later. But in the meantime, if you have any questions about this mode or anything in, in general, please reach out to us at phaeology at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to talk to me individually or if you want to talk to Grepstein, you can do so at grepsteinfeh at gmail.com. Or you can reach us at our subreddit at r slash phaeology. And our, either us or our community will be happy to talk to you and answer your questions there. And with that, we thank you guys for listening, and we hope that you schedule an appointment with us soon. And take care.